0: Hi, this is uh, Dr. Pedro Ramirez, Editor-in-Chief of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. And today I have the great pleasure of speaking with Carmine Conte, uh, who is in the Fundazione Policlinico Universitario Agostino Gemelli in Rome, Italy, and also uh, the renowned uh, uh, professor Giovanni Scambia, who is also in the same institution and also at the Università Cattolica del Sacro Cuore, Facoltà di Medicina e Chirurgia, uh, Rome, Italy. Uh, The the purpose of this podcast is uh, the February lead article um, published in our journal uh, titled The Role of Minimally Invasive Secondary Satellar Reduction in Patients with Recurrent Ovarian Cancer. So it is a great pleasure to have you uh, both on the podcast. Thank you so so much for your time and for participating in this uh, podcast. So welcome, uh, Carmine and Giovanni. Thank welcome you, Doctor. Thank Ramirez. you.
1: Thank you. It's
0: Excellent. great to be Where here. Thank
2: you for the invitation to participate in this podcast, and uh, hello to everyone.
0: Excellent. Um, so uh, lots of questions, and of course, obviously we anticipate that there will be a lot of discussion about this, uh, this article. Um, so I wanted to start off with you, Carmine, and, and just, um, see if you can, uh, start by discussing where we are as it pertains to the topic of surgery for recurrent ovarian cancer, um, summarizing, uh, I guess the, the, the results of the two main studies, the GOG 213 and the desktop three trials.
2: Yes. Uh, so,
0: uh, an ongoing
2: question in gynecologic oncology uh, has been whether or not secondary cytoreductive surgery followed by platinum-based chemotherapy increases overall survival in patients with platinum-sensitive recurrent cancer. The randomized desktop three trial has demonstrated an overall survival advantage in patients undergoing secondary cytoreductive surgery followed by chemotherapy compared with the chemotherapy alone. Uh, particularly when complete resection is achieved. In this trial, patients uh, suitable for secondary cytoreductive surgery were selected using the AGO score, achieving a complete tumor cytoreduction in about 75% of the cases with the median overall survival of 61.9 months. On the other hand, the GOG-213 study has not shown improvement in median overall survival with secondary side reduction followed by chemotherapy compared with chemotherapy alone, 50.6 versus 64.7 months respectively. The complete gross resection was achieved in uh, 67% of the patients. Even when comparing only these patients to those who did not undergo secondary side reductive surgery, there was still no median overall survival advantage. Among the minimal invasive approach, uh, there were no data in desktop three trial while in gog two thirteen, the fourteen percent of the patients underwent a laparoscopic or robotic uh, debasking.
0: Great. So yes, as you point out, those are, those two studies were primarily uh, patients undergoing open uh, surgery. Yes. so i'll I'll change over to you, Giovanni, and ask you, yeah. you know certainly in in terms of prospective randomized data, Uh, We know of the the LANS trial that is uh, obviously a a trial evaluating minimally invasive surgery versus open surgery for the interval setting. But what data do we have uh, so far for minimally invasive surgery in the recurrent setting?
1: Okay, Pedro, we can say that very few investigators have assessed the feasibility and safety of minimal invasive secondary cytoreductive surgery in um, well-selected patients confirmed the well-known benefits with respect to the open approach. The rate of of optimal cytoreduction by minimal invasive secondary cytoreductive surgery is consistent across the studies, ranging from 79 to 98% and survival outcomes seems comparable with the open approach. We have only two small American retrospective series directly comparing the oncological outcomes between minimally invasive and open approach at secondary cytoreductive surgery, and both show with the non-statistically significant differences in survival rates. The first one is by Magrinia, Which included a total of 52 selected patients, and the three-year overall survival of patients achieving the complete debulking by laparoscopy, laparotomy, and robotics was uh, 58, 64, and 100 percent, respectively, without significant statistically difference. In the second series uh, by Eriksson, feasibility analysis included 68 laparotomic and 39 minimal invasive cases, and the authors reported the two years post-recurrent survival of about 92 and 81 percent in the minimal invasive surgery and open group, respectively. This different trend could be explained with the different clinical pathological data between the minimal invasive surgery and open groups in this series. Higher rate of localized pelvic lesions, lower median number of lesions, and lower median size, so largest in the minimal invasive uh, surgery group compared to open group.
0: Yeah, and and I think that you start highlighting some of the points that we're going to be covering with regards to patient selection. And and I'll turn back to Carmine. Um, You know, Carmine, there's always talk about minimally invasive surgery needing to be done in specialized centers with high volumes. Um, And I know that we can dedicate an entire podcast to that topic. But if you can just briefly describe to us, how do we objectively define a specialized center with high volume? So uh, the European Society of
2: Gynecological Oncology, the SGO, has developed quality indicators for advanced ovarian cancer surgery to homogenize and standardize surgical care in Europe and beyond. This is mainly based on the number of ovarian cancer cases treated per year, which need to be at least 20 cases per surgeon per year. And the rate of complete reduction, which must be higher than 50%, and the rate of primary debunking surgery higher than 50%. In addition to that, although quality indicators do not refer specifically to recurrent disease, they state that centers should participate in the clinical trials in gynecological oncology, and the treatment should be planned and reviewed at a multidisciplinary tumor board.
0: Great. Um, now, Giovanni, what is the uh, study design for, for this particular study? And I was wondering if you can tell us Uh, specifically about the patients you included, uh, because I I think, again, it goes back to that concept of inclusion criteria and um, and patient selection. Uh, And also, what was the primary and secondary objectives?
1: Okay. Yes, Pedro. This is uh, an Italian single-center retrospective study that we performed in our institution, and uh, we included all the patients um, with, um, with recurrent disease from Gemelli Hospital from 20, uh, 2013 to 2020. Only women with primary platinum-sensitive recurrent epithelial ovarian cancer were included. Inclusion criteria to consider patients for secondary cytoreductive surgery were the absence of ascites and or diffused carcinomatosis at preoperative workup, the possibility of complete cytoreduction, and good performance status. The primary objective of the study was to identify predictive factors of minimally invasive secondary cytoreductive surgery feasibility intended as complete gross resection without conversion. The secondary objective was to compare perioperative and survival outcomes in a matched series of recurrent ovarian cancer patients who underwent secondary cytoreductive surgery via an open or minimally invasive surgical approach.
0: Great, and, uh, and I, th- I think that brings me starting to the point of, of the patient selection and highlighting that this is not an all-comer situation. So Carmine, in this study, you used uh, PET-CT and you also used laparoscopy to determine the ideal candidates, um, making it obviously a very select group of patients. So can you talk a little bit to our audience with regards to the importance of these selection criteria?
2: Yes, um, complete gross resection has emerged as one of the most important prognostic factors in platinum-sensitive recurrent to cancer patients, undergoing a secondary study reduction. Different selection criteria have been used in different studies, uh, such as the AGO score in the of 3 trial, and the tire model and PET CT scan in the SOC1 trial. The complete gross resection was overall very good, ranging from 75 to 77%. The additional value of PET CT scan with respect to CT scan may be questionable. In our institution, we use it as an all-in-one approach instead of thorac or abdominal contrast CT scan, but a direct comparison between the two techniques in this specific group of patients is not available to our knowledge. And in our institution, in addition to clinical and radiological examination, we also use the laparoscopy to exclude patients with diffuse carcinomatosis that is not identified at the preoperative evaluation. Although a recent meta-analysis on the role of secondary cytoreduction in platinum-sensitive recurrent ovarian cancer has shown the greatest benefit in women with extended disease, the role of a multivisceral resection may be questionable in these patients. Laparoscopy may prevent unnecessary laparotomies, thus shortening the hospital stay and enable patients to start chemotherapy earlier. So moreover, uh, good candidates can complete the procedure by MIS without
0: conversion. Excellent. And uh, Giovanni, one more question before we get into the results. Uh, I noticed that on the paper you selected 30 cases as an indicator of, uh, one could say, certain experience. Uh, why was this number selected? Like, why not 25? Why not 35?
1: <laughs> this is a very complex point, but very important because In in uh, in general, we can say that cytoreductive surgery, secondary cytoreductive surgery, can be particularly complex and therefore requires surgical experience and skills that only in a reference high volume center can be reached. Moreover, in this case, we need also specific training in minimal invasive surgery, either laparoscopic or robotic. Um, as already said, the ESGO quality indicators require a minimum of 20 cytoreductive surgery per surgeon per year. And this, this was one consideration. On the other hand, in the randomized SOC, SOC1 trial, in which investigated the role of secondary cytoreduction, they report the minimum of 50 radical ovarian surgeries per surgeon per year. So, consequently, given the two approaches in our study, we define a, a, an expert surgeon with an annual volume of radical surgery in advanced ovarian cancer of more than 30. That is a compromise between the two. And I think it's a good compromise.
0: Excellent. So, now, um, Carmen, let's get to the results of the study. And what are some of the highlights and, and the points you want our audience to really uh, remember about this particular study?
2: Yes, um, this is the largest uh, study comparing a minimally invasive and open approach in platinum-sensitive recurrent to any patients undergoing secondary reduction. And uh, lacking prospective randomized clinical studies, we identified the predictive criteria for minimally invasive secondary reductive surgery feasibility that um, can help the surgeon to plan the surgical approach properly. And the, the patients with the oligometastatic recurrent disease had a higher uh, likelihood of a minimally invasive secondary reductive surgery. And uh, also lymphonodal recurrences can be easily approached by MIS. Then uh, we reported no significant statistical differences in overall survival between the two approaches the minimal invasive and the laparotomic approach in the propensity matched analysis so however we showed a higher rate of overall and severe early complications uh, in the only open group
0: excellent um, so now, some of the questions from our fellows in the International Journal, and I'll start with Giovanni. Uh, this one comes from uh, Jen Davis Oliveira in, uh, in the UK. Um, and she asks, How, how do we as uh, surgeons standardize the, the assessment of feasibility of optimal SATA reduction?
1: Uh, You know, standardization in surgery is very complex. (laughs) And and this is a retrospective series. And therefore, we we had some intrinsic bias. One of them is the subjective evaluation regarding the chances to perform all surgical procedures to achieve a complete gross resection without conversion to laboratory. The number of sites of the recurrence is uh, an objective evaluation, but we agree with you probably that the score as the one we developed for primary, the bulking surgery, could be useful to make such evaluation much more objective. And this could be uh, another study to to do because uh, I think that we have to standardize the criteria to select patients, even in this setting.
0: Excellent. And um, the, the second question from Jen, uh, I'll uh, I'll ask you, Carmine. She says, uh, you talked about complete gross resection rate, um, but how did you define that? And you mentioned that it was 95% in your study. Is this higher than the norm, or is this comparable to the norm?
2: Yes, thank you for the question. Um, after reporting in previous study, the complete gross resection was defined as non-visible residual disease and uh, the residual tumor uh, uh, in our study was recorded at the end of the surgery. In our patients, uh, the recurrence was mapped at the preoperative imaging, and we were sure that all nodules identified were removed at the end of the surgery. And uh, the Howard rate of uh, 94.9% is higher than the uh, 65, 75% documented in in the three previous randomized clinical trials. Uh, But we believe that uh, this is the result of a highly selected population through the use of the preoperative laparoscopy.
0: Excellent. So this next question uh, to Giovanni comes from uh, one of your own uh, trainees and colleagues there in uh, Gemelli, uh, Andrea Rosati. And uh, (laughs) he asks a little bit more about the methodology. He says, from a methodological point of view, can you comment on the decision to perform A propensity score matching analysis. Can you please specify which variables were considered in the matching of the minimally invasive and the open approach group and for which outcomes the propensity match population was designed? So... (laughs) So Okay. You, you, you can get back to him on comments on the, uh, on, on <laughs> yes. the <question> later.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. When I come back home, I will tell to Andrea. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, so, but, um, yes, given the non-randomized nature of the study design and the potential allocation biases arising from the retrospective comparison between the minimal invasive and open groups, we apply the propensity score-matched analysis, in this way, we tried to balance clinical factors related to the perioperative outcomes investigated, the post-recurrent survival and post-operative complications. A two-to-one ratio was used to increase the statistical power according to our statisticians. Matching was based on the variables that resulted to be predictive for minimal invasive secondary cytoreductive surgery at the multivariable analysis in this study. The adjuvant chemotherapy approach at the diagnosis, the lymphonodal recurrence, and oligometastatic disease. As the primary purpose, purpose of this sub-analysis was the impact of each approach on post-recurrent survival. Additional clinical variables impacting on ovarian cancer prognosis were included in the propensity score, such as FIGO stage, age, maintenance treatment, and BRCA status, and platinum-free interval. Excellent. Um,
0: Now... This question comes from uh, Anisa Mburu in, uh, in Kenya, and Carmen, she asked, did age and or BMI or presence of comorbidities have an impact on the choice of approach for secondary cytoreductive surgery?
2: Yes, uh, we analyzed uh, that um, that uh, criteria, but uh, there were no significant statistical differences between the minimal invasive and the open groups regarding the age and the BMI in the overall population characteristics. Moreover, one of the inclusion criteria was uh, uh, the good performance status of the patient uh, with the ACOG less than two. Moreover, a log- logistic regression model in the entire cohort was applied to identify predictive factors of a minimal invasive secondary study reductive, study reductive surgery feasibility and among the considered variables in the univariate and multivariate analysis, the age and the BMI were not significantly correlated with the MIS uh, feasibility. So, um, however, we a knowledge limitation inherent to the the study's retrospective nature that could impact the regression model uh, analysis, but uh, these variables did not uh, uh, were statistically significant in our analysis.
0: Great, and Giovanni, uh, this next question from Anissa, I think, is uh, is natural to ask uh, these days when we talk about overall survival in patients with. Um, recurrent ovarian cancer. Um, Her question is, were any patients on this study on maintenance uh, with PARP inhibitors after secondary uh, surgery and during the follow-up period, and would this uh, have any impact on the survival rates uh, on the patients in the study?
1: Okay, we didn't report data on maintenance therapy with PARP inhibitors after secondary cytoreduction because not all patients received postoperative treatment in our institution. Moreover, we have to consider the retrospective nature and the long-time covered in this study. So, retrieving information for all patients was challenging. However, we can also say that none of the randomized clinical trials on secondary cytoreduction in platinum-sensitive ovarian cancer have been taken into account. Neither the correlation between secondary cytoreduction and BRCA mutation status, nor the impact of secondary cytoreduction in in women receiving PARP PARP inhibitor treatment. It is now established that PARP inhibitor maintenance is an effective and survival-prolonging treatment options for patients with BRCA-mutated recurrent of ovarian cancer. However, the extent of benefits still needs to be investigated in those patients who are exposed to secondary cytoreduction before medical treatment. In some preliminary trials, this group of patients has been included, but the data are still pending. The information is crucial, I I must say, but uh, we need to better understanding the recurrent ca- ovarian cancer evolution and management. And so uh, I think that this could be one of the topics that should be investigated for the future.
0: Great. Um, And then, um, uh, And this question comes from Ryan Kahn who's at Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York. Uh, Was there any consideration to stratify by performing uh, surgeons as a variable in the operative matching or logistic regression uh, models? So in in other words, the the, the surgeon experience, uh, I would take it.
2: Yes, interesting question. Uh, So In our
0: institution, uh, our senior uh,
2: gynecological oncologist surgeons are experienced in both approaches, MIS and open surgery. Moreover, the team works together to reach the goal of the best result with the best approach. So, Given this philosophy, uh, our philosophy, and the highly selection of patients, we did not uh, consider any stratification or matching for surgeons that could lead to different uh, results.
0: Excellent. Um, and Giovanni, this question comes from uh, our, our fellow Giovansa Koshiasvili in uh, the Republic of Georgia. And she asked, both robotic and laparoscopic approaches were used in the minimally invasive surgery group. Uh, what was the rate of each approach and do any uh, of the two have any advantage? And I would presume small numbers, obviously, but I'd uh, love to hear your your responses. When doing a secondary side reduction, in so our series, robot versus laparoscopy better.
1: Yeah. in our series, we included robotic and laparoscopic approaches in the same group. The robotic rate was about ten percent of the minimally invasive group, and the subgroup analysis has not been done due to this low rate of robotic surgeries performed. In our previous published experience, there were no relevant differences between the robotic and the laparoscopic approaches. And this is consistent with the paper by Magrini et al. Which uh, in which robotics and laparoscopy provided the similar perioperative outcomes and reduced blood loss and shorter hospital stay compared to laparotomy. So my feeling is that in this setting, probably robotics and laparoscopy uh, are comparable.
0: Great, excellent. So um, this question back from Ryan Kahn uh, for you, Carmine. Uh, One potential limitation of minimally invasive surgery has been the lack of haptic feedback, um, which can make it difficult to differentiate tumor from normal tissue at times. Could this have led to a bias in determining complete gross recession in the open versus the minimally invasive approach? Yes, um, although
2: we operate uh, platinum-sensitive recurrent patients uh, with a long interval from uh, either platinum or maintenance therapy, the abdominal tissues uh, can undergo fibrotic changes, edema, phlogosis, and necrosis, uh, mimicking residual tumors because of a previous treatment. And therefore, uh, the lack of haptic feedback by the surgeon, especially in the robotic uh, approach, can be even uh, more challenging in, uh, than in uh, other cases, such as uh, in open uh, um, and open searches. However, we try to overcome such limitation with the 3D 4K vision in laparoscopy, for example, or uh, intraoperative ultrasound guidance for both localization of the disease, if difficult, and to confirm the complete resection at the end of uh,
0: surgery in some case. Excellent. Um, Giovanni's uh, question also comes from uh, Italy, uh, uh, Giulio Bonaldo, uh, yeah. and, um, he talks about, he says in, 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 your article, you reported a higher rate of complete gross recession in the minimally invasive group. Um, do you think that we should routinely perform some form of radiologic evaluation, either a PET CT or a CT scan, uh, after laparoscopic or robotic, uh, cytoreductive surgery before starting second line chemotherapy to really have a sense of how complete that cytoreduction was?
1: Yes, this is a, an important question. Uh, in, in our study, we reported more than 90% of complete gross resection in both arms with a 100% rate in the minimal invasive group. But we did not perform a postoperative radiological exam on all patients. Previous studies show with a discrepancy of 20 to 50% between the surgeons' intraoperative assessment of residual tumors and findings of, on postoperative CT scan. In we, in line with previous uh, data, we are retrospectively analyzing the post-operative CT scan after primary debulking surgery in our institution. Mm-hmm. And the discrepancy of 22% was found between the surgeon's interoperative assessment, post-operative CT scan on, on, on the presence of residual tumors. However, uh, CT findings did not affect survival outcomes. So I think that this could be a this is a good point, but we need future future studies to assess to test this um, discrepancy in the recurrent setting which is in my vision completely different from the primary setting.
0: Yeah, definitely would be interesting data to see. Um, and I'll, I'll turn it over to Carmine, sort of along the same path, this question also from Julio. Um, he said, you know, you, in your study, you did PET CTs and you did laparoscopy. What the what were the uh, concordancy in the assessment of this disease distribution? In other words, you have cases where a secondary side of reduction was feasible by the PET CT, but when you did the laparoscopy, you felt that it was not feasible.
2: Yes, uh, we have a long experience uh, in um, this setting of patients treated with this uh, strategy. Do we know that? Uh... PET CT scan is limited by small nodule carcinosis because the ability to discriminate metabolically active lesions depends mainly, but not only on the spatial resolution of the PET tomograph. So for a latest generation system present at Gemelli Hospital, our hospital, the resolution is around four millimeters. And uh, in this context, uh, staging laparoscopy has proved to offer a reliable evaluation of occult peritoneal carcinomatosis and uh, a good prediction of the possibility of optimal acid reduction in primary advanced ovarian cancer patients So such techniques should be considered complementary because of the potential of each one to identify a different setting of the disease. The staging laparoscopy can improve PET-CT sensitivity versus small nodule carcinosis, as well as the occurrence in detecting the number of nodules. Uh, On the other hand, the PET-CT can uh, provide a more accurate evaluation of retroperitoneal and or intraparenchymal disease. Indeed, in our uh, previous published experience comparing the PET-CT scan and staging laparoscopy, the use of uh, staging laparoscopy has correctly changed the PET-CT evaluation in five out of uh, 65 uh, cases studied, 7.7% of the series, potentially avoiding unnecessary laparotomies in four patients and offering an optimal site reduction to another. On the other hand, the PET-CT scan correctly identified as inoperable three of four cases deemed resectable by the staging laparoscopy due to extensive retroperitoneal disease.
0: Excellent. And um, Giovanni, this question comes from uh, Nuria Agusti in Spain, and she says, you know, besides the preoperative disease distribution, can you provide a rationale for the independent association between neoadjuvant chemotherapy in the upfront setting and the minimally invasive approach at the time of secondary SATA reduction?
1: Yes, we found for the first time, a surprisingly, even for us, higher rate of neoadjuvant chemotherapy and interval debunking surgery at first diagnosis in the minimally invasive group. We can say, we may simply explain this result as a bias related to the retrospective nature of the study, but we can also argue that patients undergoing neoadjuvant chemotherapy may receive a less complex surgery mm. at the interval with consequently fewer additions and or in different pattern of recurrence potentially favorable to a minimally invasive approach. To support this hypothesis, we reported also a slightly higher rate of surgery complexity score 3 at the primary bulking surgery in the open group population, but without reaching the statistically significant difference between the two groups.
0: Excellent. And just a few more questions for you guys. This uh, this question comes from uh, Jen again, uh, and this will be for Carmine. And she says, you're suggesting a large prospective study to evaluate this question. And um, she challenges you to uh, think, uh, do you think this is really feasible, a randomized trial um, uh, evaluating this question?
2: Good questions. Uh, for sure, the, the criteria were shown in the study may represent the basis to perform a future trial. Challenges are represented mainly by groups that do not believe in secondary cytoreduction anymore due to the results of the gog 213. And second thing is that the long-post-relapse survival in this super-selected group of patients with the median 81 months in the MIS group and not reached in the open group. And uh, from the ethical point of view, I think it's uh, ethical, as you have first demonstrated that uh, retrospective studies can be apotheosis generating, but need to be confirmed by randomized clinical trials.
0: Excellent. So um, last two questions are usually about practice and and, and what you do in your institution. So um, the last one for you, uh, uh, Giovanni, uh, comes from Teresa Pan and uh, she's in Austria. Um, She asks, considering what you've learned during this study, in which cases would you definitely recommend an open approach without even considering the minimally invasive approach? Uh,
1: I can say that patients with more than three lesions identify that the preoperative, the CT imaging in different locations, upper and lower abdomen or mixed intra and retroperitoneal or parenchyma need an open approach to be completely resected. However, our policy is that we always perform a diagnostic laparoscopy Mm. before secondary cytoreductive surgery in all cases to identify a more diffuse disease and prevent unnecessary laparotomies, delaying the second-line chemotherapy. So we always start with the diagnostic laparoscopy in any case.
0: Excellent. And um, one last question for you, uh, Carmine, and certainly, uh, Giovanni, if you feel like adding uh, anything additional as well. Um, How have the results of this study impacted the management of patients uh, with platinum-sensitive recurrent ovarian cancer at Jameli Hospital?
2: So, oh, uh, actually, um, at our solution, we are focusing on patients who are not candidated for minimally invasive secondary cytoreduction surgery. Indeed, uh, we would like to identify clear criteria of non-resectability at imaging without laparoscopy to start an effective treatment as soon as possible while avoiding unnecessary risks related to the surgery.
1: Yes, anything else
0: you'd like to add?
1: (laughs) No, I I think that this has been a a very nice experience for us. and I think that confirmed to my mind that in uh, ovarian cancer every every kind of surgery should be should start with a diagnostic laparoscopy because this is the only way to clearly select patients uh, which can uh, do a a minimal invasive approach or you can avoid uh, an unnecessary laparotomies. Uh, I think also that the next step in this um, field is to to understand whether or not uh, in cases in which we cannot do uh, surgery, uh, chemotherapy could could be useful and surgery could be done after chemotherapy. This is uh, the next step to my vision on uh, the recurrent setting.
0: Well, thank you so much to both of you. This has uh, really been a, a, an informative experience and thank you so much for dedicating the time to answering all of our, our questions. Um, I wanna thank you, of course, obviously for accepting our invitation and uh, for submitting your article to our journal. Um, and uh, again, once again, uh, Giovanni, uh, thank you for everything that you have done and continue to do. Uh, with regards to the management of women with uh, gynecological cancers and Carmine. Um, Thank you once again for the time and effort. And to all of your co-authors, really uh, thank you from the International Journal. And uh, always thank you to the audience for listening to the podcast.
1: Goodbye. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you. Thank you to everyone. Thank Thank you. Thank you.